Paramore is an American rock band from Franklin, Tennessee, formed in 2004. Welcome to the third episode of Kids From Yesterday. Somehow we have made it to three. Somehow we have. So this is our Paramore special. Ooh. Our favourite our favorite band? Well, well they're my favourite band. What about yeah, you? they're one of my, like okay. they're my top five. Okay, your top five favourite band. Yeah, so they're, they're up there. They yeah. were definitely like the first band I ever wanted to go see live. Like when they announced they were playing the O2. So I am getting ahead of myself. What are we going to talk about today, folks? That's later on in the podcast, Courtney. Well, today, folks, we're going to be talking about Paramore, um, our love for them, a little bit about them, their history, the scandals, um, as well as the memories that we have and the memories that some of you guys have sent into us. Yeah, we harassed you all on social media. Um, we're at Kids From Yesterday pod on Instagram, Kids From Yesterday podcast on Facebook. And kids from yesterday. No, kids from, kids from Y-Day. Y-Day. Sorry, on Twitter. On Twitter. So on <laughs> all of these channels, we harangued you all until you gave up your stories. And I've got a couple, and I think you've got a couple. Yes, I do. And I have a couple of like nice things that happened because of people I met at Paramore. Same. Well. So we can, we can, we can, we can discuss that. Um. So, I guess we're just gonna into it so at the moment the band is Haley, it's taylor and it's zach but if you've been a long time paramore fan you'll know that there has been so many change-ups in that lineup so i guess as i started out it was josh Haley, jeremy and john henry honestly i don't and jason bynum i think and then they swapped out one for hunter now it's yeah it's a lot to keep up with because they've had so many changes but most notably i think when i got into them the lineup was Haley, Haley, zach josh and jeremy and then of course they added taylor to the lineup uh then the the brothers josh and and zach left um but at the moment it's it's just a threesome um but they released their first album in they Got together in 2004, released their first album, All We Know Was Falling, in 2005. Um, their second album then was released in 2007, and that was Riot. I think that's where people started paying attention. Yeah, so that's I think exactly where people started they paying played, attention. So that was in 2007. They played um, The RDS in 2008. And I remember people in school being like, oh my god, I saw Paramore yesterday, and it was so cool. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Paramore? Yeah, what's a Paramore? <laughs> but... Um, it was just after that, I think, that I started listening. Um, it was probably around the time of the final riot, I think, actually. Remember Kiss Magazine? Yes. Kiss Magazine sent me a copy of the final riot. Wow. And I was fucking obsessed with that thing. Like, I listened to that album, like, on the walk to school, on the way back from school. I distinctly remember sitting my junior cert with, like, t- in, like inside my head, able to hear, like, Hallelujah, and, like... Wow. Like, the whole... Like, I knew the whole thing from, like, back to front, start to finish. I knew all the, like, things that she said on stage. 
and I, I just like I knew it inside out and it was the first time that I had ever freaking like just, <laughs> just like really thrown myself that was like the, around the time that I started developing all these extra interests so like I was interested in Supernatural and I was interested in Paramore at that time when I just remember that being a thing that I really loved yeah that was such a great album I, ha- I remember watching the the DVD over and over and over again um, and I think as well like I got into them as well Misery Business definitely like got them a lot of attention from you know they had hit success with that um, even though I, I think they had Crush, Crush, Crush as well that was on Guitar Hero for Nintendo yes, DS. I had that was. game and I used to play it and I would play that song. Um, they also released That's It You Get from that album, which was, I remember the video for That's It You Get. Actually, I remember buying all the music videos, like they had an album of the music videos that you could buy on iTunes for like 15 euro or something. I, had yeah. them all. I used to watch them over and over. But I think that, video was recorded like the day after like some big row they had as a band and I remember when I found that out and I started watching it I really can't remember the, the specifics of it but I remember watching it back going oh my god they were killing each other behind the scenes <laughs> and just seeing this like happy face and you know and they had been fighting and I feel like that's kind of an ongoing theme in Paramore really is fighting. A, lot of, a lot of fighting yeah people rows. seem to like think that Brand New Eyes was like the modern day version of Rumours which was the Fleetwood Mac album and if you don't know Fleetwood Mac um, the the lead singer and one of the guitarists had been dating and they had like you know explosive rows I think they were I don't know if they were married but they're definitely dating and explosive rows that whole album was about saving the band um, and people had kind of likened that to Paramore's Brand New Eyes yeah and that band that, that album saved the band or you know kept them together but actually, I was reading an article about it, and it was just after Josh had announced that he was leaving. Well, no, Haley announced that Josh was leaving. So Haley had written a statement before Josh had actually announced that him and, and Zach were leaving the band, and she said that we, when we thought Brand New Eyes could fix everything, we put all our eggs into that basket. So like they were mm. trying really, really hard to bridge all the the mess. But like we discovered years later that the mess was actually that only Haley was signed to the label and the rest of them were down as session musicians. And that's the same argument they had with Jeremy Yeah. when that happened years later too. So like understanding what went on behind the scenes was really difficult to kind of piece together. Yeah. So I remember when, when like their first album was, it they've kind of been, I guess, kind of cursed in a sense in that nearly all of their albums are about either the band breaking up, fights or trying to stay together. Like the first album, All We Know Is Falling, that was about Jeremy leaving the band and how devastated they were. Like the, even the album cover you can see, it's like a, the picture of the sofa with like a shadow and that shadow represents Jeremy walking away from the band. Um, and, you know, it's, he ended up going back to them, which is great. And the same with Zach left and went back. But I guess looking back, Zach obviously left in solidarity with Josh. Yeah, so I actually found an article from back when Zach left and the whole thing was about he didn't leave because his brother did, which I think everybody oh, thought. Yeah, but it, I, but definitely the, I definitely thought it as well because why wouldn't... You know, if you're in a family, a family member and they leave, I wonder would you feel obliged to, especially if it was like your big brother and you yeah. thought, you know. Um, but he said that I love all those guys and girl. I don't know if they think so highly of me, but I hope they think of me reasonably well. In my last year, I know I had a really bad attitude. Um, 
and he was like well I said sorry for like being miserable and complaining all the time and I never hated them and we disagreed on stuff um but he felt like it wasn't an emotional decision and he thought about it and he knew it was the right thing to do and obviously he's back in the van now so yeah. you know something good must have happened and they must have sorted out the problems that they had at the time but I do remember that being a whole thing like do you remember when you heard the announcement that he left yeah I remember when that announcement appeared that the two of them had left. I think I read it on an article on Kerrang. I was so shocked. I was absolutely shocked. Like, looking back, like, when he rejoined, and then when, Jer- or when, when Jeremy left, and it was just a twosome, when it was just Taylor and Hayley, I was like, oh my God, this is it. They're going to crack. Like, how can they have, a, like, you know, a band with, with just the two of them? Um, and then Zach went back and I was like, oh, phew, we're not losing power more yet. It's all going to be okay. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Um, I would be devastated if they broke up completely. If they completely disbanded, I would be I, heartbroken. I'm so like, especially as they, like, I, I found, I think I've deleted it because, um, I mean, I just couldn't bear it that that was still on my <laughs> Facebook. But I remember when I saw the announcement that he'd left, like, I remember how devastated I felt because I, I got the same thing. I thought they were done. But I wrote this really angsty post about how, like, Paramore didn't need them anyway. And it's not about <laughs> them. It's about Hayley and, like, her relationship with the rest of them. And, you know, blah, 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 and, like, Paramore would be fine without you. They're going to survive. <laughs> and I read it back, like, maybe six years later. And I was just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Are you? Were you okay, hun? Like, what? So, yeah, that was that was my reaction to it. Um, yeah, but like it was it was like the first time something like I mean we talked about this a lot in her last episode about how like music was like there is your foundation and these people were support it was the first time that support had been like threatened in any way yeah. I think people had a lot of opinions about it especially as Paramore had gotten so popular at this point um, and like they were obviously ever growing in popularity but I remember at this stage because it was in like Enemy and it was on MTV and it was all of this stuff like this thing has happened that like I think even like my parents had heard about it mm. and like I just it's like quite bizarre how affected we get by these things like I remember I really don't remember which band it was Super Union Six or MyChem or something um saying at one of their gigs like you know your parents may break up maybe it was even all the time now but your parents may break up your friends might leave you you know, but you always have music and your favourite bands. And I remember thinking, I won't always have my favourite bands because they keep breaking up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it would be just, yeah. I Like, obviously now if it happened, I'd be like, you know, shit happens. And I really hope it doesn't. Like, Hayley the other day has said that she wasn't, it was like last week, the week before, had said that she wasn't, they weren't in studio recording their sixth album, which I kind of thought they were. Yeah, I but like I also feel like at this point with Paramore, I just kind of expect them to come up like pop up when they're ready. Yeah, like they've been on like they're on a major label, like they're on Warner. Well, if you buy ramen, if you're Americans, but like I yeah. say Raymond because that's how I say things. <laughs> like they've been on FBR since forever, and I feel like when you get to that point where you consistently deliver, I feel like the pressure's kind of off a little bit. Like they yeah. they have to produce something amazing. But I feel like they get longer to do it because it's not just executives in a room writing the music for you. It's like that's they're, it. Yeah, they're they're in there and Haley's in there writing the song, and like writing writing the song, the song, <laughs> the one song she writes. No, like she's in there and she's actually actively involved in it. And they like, 
Yeah, I can see that. Because, like, when it comes to pop music, and I have to say One Direction, they have a very short time where they're going to be relevant. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, the, the few years that they were out, they had to bang out as many albums as they could to, yeah. you know, because it's the whole, you know, bands, pop bands especially, have, like, a life cycle. You know, their steady growth, and then, you know, whatever, the decline in the market and stuff like that. Like, I, I remember there was one point where you couldn't move in a shop for One Direction merchandise. And that's because they had to make as much money as they can with a small captive audience. Whereas, you know, when you're 15 and you're 25, you're, they're not going to be able to make as much money as you get older because you may not be as into pop music. It's like you said in a couple of episodes ago, it's it's made to be, you know, fun for a short period of time. So bands like Paramore, who have kept their fan base, who have... A large, I guess, demographic um, of fans, they don't have to be, I guess, as frequent with delivering albums. Yeah. But I just kind of expected that they were that that's what they were doing. But if thinking about it, Zach's on tour at the moment. He has a side band called Half Noise, like they played here in Dublin at the start of May. Um, so yeah, I guess it makes sense that they're not in studio recording their yeah. sixth album. But I kind of had thought that they might have been. Now, that's not to say that they haven't already done it. I actually, I was digging last week through old live journal posts and I found some stuff of Haley's from like 20, so 2012. So when they were, was that their self-titled? yes yes so that was when they were recording their self-titled and it took her years like she literally spent a whole year at home by herself like she moved to LA and she was like she just spent her time in her house like writing and like working on music and singing and being in the studio but like for a lot of that time she was alone um and I was reading all these posts and like it was just kind of like her I mean like a live journal back in the day it used to be kind of like a diary or like a tumblr post where people would just write stuff yeah. Like people could respond, but it wasn't like overwhelming where like you tweet hi and like seven thousand likes, eight hundred and ninety-four <laughs> retweets and like you know, you have like eight thousand people going, Oh my god, hi, oh my god, come on, I hope you're okay, I hope you're drinking water um, which is like a thing that I've seen. Oh yeah. It's really horrifying. I feel like I would never want to say anything online ever if that was me. But just because it's just a sheer volume of people who, who like respond yeah and they, they want to interact with you yeah and i feel like i'd be so overwhelmed by that but i feel like back when live journal was a thing there was such a small even though like they had tons of fans it was such a small volume of people using these sites that were bothering to respond and like she would respond back mm. um but like she was talking about the process and like how tired she was and how hard it had been and how much she hopes people will really like it and she released lyrics to different songs and would kind of be like well this is what we're going for and then at one point she was like we're not going to release any more lyrics I want you to hear it in its entirety when yeah when we're done kind of thing but it was very like hopeful but it did seem to be a really long drawn out process which even like that was their fourth um and like after the success of Brandy Wise and considering all the mess that had happened with the band and people leaving and it restructuring again um you would think probably that the label would have been putting a lot of pressure yeah. on them but it just seems like they've always had the space to grow which a lot of bands don't get because you know they might get one and I think part of it comes from the fact that they were always on a major label they always had that room to do what the people in the boardroom wanted them to do and then they also were like well this is what we want to do too and it seems like they've never gotten it wrong like even with After Laughter like I know we're jumping ahead a little bit but like with After Laughter it was so 
different. It was so good though. But that's the thing, and it, it like brought in new people who had never heard them before, who weren't interested before. And it's such a departure. Like you look back at all we know is falling, and then you look at after laughter. Like there's like what twelve years in the difference. Yeah. But it's like the fact that that that's the same band, but you can still appreciate that they've grown and that they've adopted this new sound. But it it doesn't feel like it's wrong. Mm. You know, like you hear some, and I've we've talked about this probably in our first episode, I think, where like some bands do concept albums, they do. Something. Oh, we did. We talked about all the time. <laughs> I was really angry. I'm still angry. It's been, it's been weeks <laughs> now and I'm still angry. Um, but this is the Renegade album that... Renegade, is that right? That All Time Low did that you were talking about? Was uh, that yeah, last, last, okay. last yeah, yeah. Renegade. Um, but like, even like Renegade, that was like a Paramore single. And oh that yeah, was like the, the Singles first, Club. Remember the whole Singles Club thing? Monster. And like, but like, that was such a good... And now, that was amazing. Yeah. But it was such a good... Like, they had those three songs and then... It was like, okay, we can hear how the sound is going to change. And then, so when we got to the actual self-titled, it didn't feel... Yeah, it was like we... It was kind of like a light landing because we had been expecting that there would be... Because obviously there's, you know, some of the key members of... The key founding members of the band are gone. You know, of course, the you know, there was going to be a change there. Um, I mean, like, Josh wrote two of their biggest hits previous to that. I mean, like, Misery Business... And I think Ignorance was like a rework of the guitar for Misery Business, um, like the intro. I think he just reworked the chords or something like that. Like they yeah, had made, he had made those two hits. And of course, you know, not having that mind working on the next album, of course it was going to change, but it didn't let me down. I When I first heard Now, I was a little bit like, what? And then I listened to it again and again and again and it was incredible. And then I heard um, Still Into You and I remember I was hung over on a friend's friend's couch, like didn't really know them at all. And I was on their couch just like bawling my eyes out. Like, it's so good. I'm just so happy for Paramore. And they were like, get this freak out of my house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they. I liked the soft landing of the, the three and they weren't so much of a departure from like Brick for Born Brick. I feel like yeah. they were they were still in that like realm. Yeah. So it still felt like Paramore, but it was like you could appreciate they were moving on and they were doing something different. Um, and I think even like now the fact that Haley's like, well, like Misery Business was written when I was seventeen, and I thought you could like steal a guy from a girl or whatever. So like the not wanting to call a girl a whore anymore. Yeah. And like normalize that, and I think that was like a really big trend kind of back then that like it was okay to call girls whores. Um. And the fact that she's like, well, that doesn't represent me anymore. I think that's really interesting because it was such a popular song. Song, yeah. Um, and such a big, like... Because they pull that from their yeah. set list. So if you haven't been to a Paramore show, Paramore, which I'm sure you know, but anyway, Paramore, their last song is used to be um, Misery Business. They'd pull a fan up on the stage. And a lot of the time it was like a, a big fight for attention at the front. Yeah. Um. It was a big competition between people, like signs of oh, bring this person on stage, bring that person on stage, and I'm kind of glad that it's stopped in a way because there was such a, a scramble between people and yeah. And like I, one of my friends did get up. I remember, but I they pulled that from their show. But I wonder they don't really play one of those crazy girls live. Yeah. But I haven't seen any much acknowledgement. Then again, I haven't really looked for it for the idea that that song is. In which we spoke about in our last um, podcast about mental health, that song stigmatizes mental health in that 
it's kind of perpetuating the idea of you know the crazy girl narrative and that song I guess it's something that they should look to talk about I mean yeah when you're looking at it you can see what they were trying to do yeah and I I mean the plenty of pop culture has really done a, a great job on the whole concept of the crazy ex-girlfriend yeah namely the show crazy ex-girlfriend yeah um and that I mean that in its entirety did an amazing job of breaking down a whole bunch of stigma but I feel like the it at some point will get to a stage where people realize that those songs were they called like girls crazy or they were like this thing is psycho or like all those things that really do stigmatize problems that people actually have or stigmas that are associated with certain types of behavior will disappear and like i know the song itself is about behaving irrationally yeah and it's about trying to justify that like oh no but i'm not irrational which is what you're trying to say when you yeah. say that you're not yeah. crazy what you're trying to say is that you're not irrational and that's what the whole song seems to be about but i don't think i've ever heard them play it live i feel I like it's not really a... play them live and um, it's not really a thing but again like the way that we're having these conversations now about this i'm not saying it's ahead of its time but like there will come a time exactly like you said where people will realize like it's like the whole thing with like eminem and his misogynistic lyrics like people were singing those thinking they were you know great songs but now in the wake of me too and all these things people are realizing oh shit like they were Awful. not great things to be singing yeah um and i feel like again the same thing will hopefully happen with this as people will not come to their senses but i guess kind of realize that it's not okay to talk about mental health in that way it's not okay to talk about because girls especially we have that because Haley and Josh used to go out and there's that whole thing of like who broke up with who like what went on we don't really know exactly what happened in the relationship I guess but there's this whole idea I guess that there's the crazy ex-girlfriend and it's something that's perpetuated hugely um amongst female characters in the media and in songs and, and especially in, in that song yeah so just on the Haley and Josh splitting up thing like I remember hearing remember the teenagers song that she wrote for oh, yes. for Jennifer's body like I remember interpreting that whether or not it was like it was about him I remember hearing it as being about them because there was the bit about you're all around me underneath me and I was like that could literally be about like being on a bus and like yeah. that person is like around you and literally sleeping underneath you and I don't know where the hell I got that like mental image from but it was just like that's what I interpreted and I remember like everybody reading everything into all of Brand New Eyes as being about Haley and Josh kind of yelling at each other when yeah. it was actually the band kind of yelling at each other definitely so you can see it in one of the in many of the songs in Brand New Eyes one of the lyrics is um, the truth never set me free so I did it myself and that was a quote from the bible uh, you know the truth will set you free and Josh had come out and been like you know for her to go against her Christian values and say that the truth didn't set her free he had like a, a major problem with that and I think he had a problem as well with how Paramore had gone from being a band with Christian values and being a, a Christian rock band to not having Christian values and questioning Haley questioning her own faith I guess I remember reading actually there was a whole lot of posts on her live journal where she was like hey like if you don't believe this is not really like for you and this is just me kind of talking about stuff but it was about like her questioning her faith and like she was really looking at stuff that was happening around her and like yeah how a lot of people in her community were saying they're Christian but they were doing horrible things to horrible like to to people and like 
you know, behaving in a horrible way. And she was like, well, how can I claim to be the same thing as them when I don't believe in the stuff that they believe in and stuff? So it was just interesting to see that because although they were a Christian rock band, they were very not, you know, vocal about yeah. their... I mean, you knew that they were Christian and you knew that they had beliefs and stuff, but you, they never really talked about it much and it didn't come across in the music apart from, like, Hallelujah, I guess. Yeah. And even then, it didn't, it didn't feel like... It was supposed to be about anything to do with their faith. It was just like they happened to be Christian and they happened to have Christian values, but it didn't translate into their, into their, into their work. Yeah. yeah. And then when Josh left the band, then he formed his own band, Novel American, with a couple of other people. Um, and then they went into studio for their self-titled album, Paramore. The drummer that actually, the session drummer for that was Nile Lynch Nails drummer, Ilan Rubin. Um, so he obviously stepped in to record the album because they had no drummer. Um, and they released that album in early 2013 with the single Now. I remember listening to it on BBC Morning Breakfast Radio with Nick Grimshaw. They were doing the first play of that song. Oh, I remember listening. Yeah, I remember listening to it on the bus to college. I remember, I think the first time I heard it was the video because they released that like the day I or I think so they after. released that like a couple of hours later. Yeah. yeah. So I remember watching the video and being like, wow, that's such a different thing yeah it was was so so, different i feel like the thing about paramore fans and this is the thing that people make fun of a lot that you know paramore fans are really dedicated remember they used to call them like para whores and stuff (laughs) but like you know they're so far up paramore's ass and stuff like yeah i was and i still am exactly (laughs) don't don't judge me for it but um something we were talking about earlier as well is that i feel like the reason like i always think of paramore fans as being quite respectful like, you, yeah. you, they're at, like, meet and greets or they're at, like, shows and stuff. There's no pushing. There's no, like, hysteria. There's no... Like, I never feel unsafe, I think, in a crowd of Paramore fans. And I think part of that is the fact that the band is mostly centred around Hayley. And there's no, like, competition kind of thing. Yeah. Like, obviously, like, I feel like in a very heteronormative way, when you have, like, fans filled with guys, there's, like, a scarcity mentality where it's like well like they can only fancy one of us so we have to all like fight each other <laughs> whereas i feel like with paramore it's like you know obviously like lgbt like paramore fans are there's loads of them but it's the fact that it seems to be a lot quieter and more respectful definitely i think the band themselves as well have set great boundaries yeah because when they obviously they did parahoy which we'll get to later on they had set boundaries of like how to act on the tour like how to act on the boat like if you see the band like don't freak out like just you know what here's what to do an example of what to do and what not to do so like don't freak out or just say hey and talk about the pizza or something like that i think they have themselves in that way set really good boundaries between themselves and their fans which is you know the right way to do it because i couldn't imagine being on a boat with tons of fans and them all coming at you from every angle yeah that'd be pretty scary so i think they're definitely right in that sense yeah. to do it. we mentioned in our first episode if you haven't listened to it yet it's called it's not a fave mom you should go back and listen to it um we both spoke about meeting paramore and we both had that kind of relaxed calm experience where it was very chatty and you know a lot of other brands that we may i know that i have met they it there's just nothing like meeting paramore because they were either very rushed you know it's over a table or you know whatever i think meeting cobra starship that was special that was that's for an, another time but um meeting paramore was definitely unlike anything i had experienced it was just so calm and there's definitely a lot of trust yeah i mean i remember i think it was 2013 
um, and Paramore had been posting a lot of like, oh, thank you so much to these fans for coming to meet us in the airport. And it was, I think it was 2013, but I had been out with a friend the night before and I was supposed to go stay in her house afterwards. And then we were like, Paramore have just gone on a flight to Dublin because they've just posted it. So we literally went straight from, do you remember war actually? The, yeah. yeah. So we went straight from war, like covered in paint and glitter and like, you know, full of really horrible cheap drinks, got into a taxi and went to the airport, except the taxi driver was like, what are you going to the airport for? And even though I was still kind of drunk, I didn't want to be like, I'm going to go try and meet my favorite band. Um, I was like, oh, we're going to meet a friend who was on a J1 and she's on her way back now. <laughs> we had this whole elaborate story. I just kept talking and I was like, why are you like, stop talking? But I just, I told this guy that like, we we're going to go meet our friend and like, she's flying in from wherever and like, you know, I, her name is Haley. <laughs> like, we just, I don't know. He didn't, didn't think we were weird. So he brought us to the airport and I was really, really hungover the next morning, but there was only like six of us there, I think. Um, and then Haley came out. I still have videos from a while ago and she was just so nice but I had a change of clothes that I brought with me to wear like the if I'd stayed in my friend's house oh, okay. and then she was like oh I want to take off like the cause she was wearing a top that she didn't want to wear so she was like can I borrow your t-shirt so I was like yeah and it was this one I'd gotten in America and I had like a baby spider-man on it and it was really cute Aww. and Haley came out and came straight over to my friend and was like oh my god I love your t-shirt and I was like rude excuse me <laughs> that's my t-shirt so i'm i'm still such a little bit bitter. salty about it. it's a little bit better about it yeah but it was just like it was nice because everybody was clearly just like there was only the six of us there and we were all kind of like hello hey. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna come see you later and like she was just like super super nice about it like she like I, she was clearly exhausted as well but, yeah. like she had no issue coming over and taking photos and just chatting to people and then that's everybody cute. was like oh we'll see you later and it was so calm and so relaxed and I feel like that's kind of the general like I think you're dead right like that they set really good boundaries that people knew how to act around them and to not freak out so like I said in the first episode I've only met them the once but there was another time where HMV or IP HMV uh, was on Grafton Street they were doing this giveaway so if you got if you got like I think it was like maybe a hundred Paramore t-shirts and there were these like really ugly like navy blue t-shirt with like a bowl of spaghetti and then like paramore written out in the spaghetti i'm pretty sure that was the t-shirt if you went and bought one of those you got like a meet and greet ticket so my friends and i i had already got early entry through the paramore fan club my friends and i off we went 6am bus out on avon um up to dublin we were waiting we went to the queue but we obviously we there's dublin paramore fans who got there way before us um and we didn't get a wristband for the meet and greet. Devastated. So yeah, we didn't buy the t-shirt. We were like, nah, that, that's, you know, it was horrible. It was really ugly. Um, but there was lots of fans going round in them. And I was like, that was just a marketing ploy to get rid of this backlog of shitty looking Paramore t-shirts. Um, but yeah, we ended up going and queuing up for the day. And I already had, like I said, early entry. But I still hung around in the freezing of cold at the start of December because I wanted to try and meet Paramore. Like, we knew if we left the house early, like, there was no going home. Like, that was yeah. it. We were out for the day. Um, but, yeah, no, we didn't We didn't win meet and greet tickets. So but I got to, I know, but I got to meet them eventually. Which is good. Um, yeah. Like, I, I feel like they are a really great fan to meet. Yeah, they really are. Like, and Hayley's really, really good at interacting with people because she just kind of treats fans like they're people which is they do which is what fans are and like she's a people so she's a people she's she a, a people 
Um, I actually, like, I just remembered as well that she revealed that she left the band in 2015 for, like, a brief period so that only Taylor York was the, was the uh, member. Yes, I remember like, that. I mean, this band is, like, I don't know how many times they've disbanded, rejoined, come together, tried to do... I mean, it's it's absolutely yeah. wild how many times that's happened. Like... And I was going to say, like, Hayley is the only one who's actually stayed, but <laughs> she's, no, she's not. There's she's been, not. Yeah. So there's um, not even the, the that. The that. And when Jeremy Davis then left in 2015, he's been in, like, a legal battle with Paramore, claiming to be... A, it's a business partnership, and he's the co-owner of the band, and... Well, this is going back to what we were saying earlier about the what Josh said about how Hayley's the only one actually signed to the label. Jeremy was also being treated like a session musician, so he wasn't being paid the same yeah. amount that Hayley was being paid, and he wasn't getting like, cause you know, like when you're you get like royalties from the songs, and you get like money from the merch, and you get money like you get paid when you play each night. So he was being like she was getting a salary, and then some of that was going to him as opposed to him getting his own yes. kind of thing. So he was getting a fraction of what she was being paid. So I think they resolved that, or he dropped it, or like something happened where they sorted something out. But like I remember being really shocked by that too because it was like what else can <laughs> what else yeah, can happen to this? Go on here. Um, and that was around the time that Haley and Chad, Chad Gilbert from um, uh, New Friend Glory, yeah, they broke up. No, they got married and then they broke up. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so the yeah, that was around the time. So they announced after laughter in twenty sixteen. So that was. That was the first Parahoy actually, and I remember that people was. saying that um, they like people when when they talked about it, people were like, oh, we were asking Chad, oh, how's Haley doing, and he was like, oh, she's fine, but like they'd actually spit up like on that, and then they got back together, and then they spit up again. Yes, so that was around the time, yeah, like that was around the time that Jeremy left, but they had at the time she had said that she had been suffering with suffering with her mental illness like she said that it was torment and she didn't laugh for a long time was you know she was having issues with mental health um and then they announced obviously that they were doing the fifth album and at that point i think sometime after the fifth album was released it was only a couple of weeks after we seen her in dublin so she paramore must have seen her there before we slip um when we seen paramore play in dublin so they played the olympia which is probably the smallest irish gig they've done to date um like the Olympia has a bit of capacity of less than three thousand, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it's something like that. It's like two thousand five hundred or something like that. But they played that gig around the seventeenth, sixteenth of June two thousand and seventeen, and then a couple of weeks later, uh, her and Chad announced that they were breaking up and obviously getting a divorce. Um, I remember during that, like watching that show and then thinking back on it, like when I'd heard the news that they'd broken up, that, oh my God, she's on stage going through all this. And like you said in the last episode, and she's still fake happy, you know, she's putting on a small, she's putting on a front. And that must have been so tough for yeah. her to do. And like her whole, I mean, she started when she was 15. Yeah. It's like so she, her whole life has been... Paramore. That's all yeah. she's known. Um. So even if, I imagine like, even if they did break up like soon and like touch wood that they don't because I don't want that to happen but I feel like at that point she's she would have done her five albums and like lived her life and toured the world and like yeah she could be free to do other projects and free to like do whatever the hell she wanted really like exactly like at the moment as well she's launched um, a hair dye company with her friend 
feel free to sponsor us. If yeah. You, if you <laughs> if want. you're listening, Haley, um, this podcast could be sponsored by Good Day Young. <laughs> but it's not. But it's not yet. The goal. Hashtag not spawn. <laughs> um, and she's loving that. Like, they post a lot of videos. I think this is something I'd always kind of seen her, I guess, going towards. I always thought there'd be like, you know, a Schwarzkopf by Hayley Williams kind of a line yeah, or something or like, like that or a makeup Manic line or, or like something yeah, yeah. Mac by Hayley Williams was like my dream did that happen? I don't know it may have been an actual dream you had <laughs> maybe it was an actual dream I had I feel like no definitely no not. I feel like I would remember that I feel like this happened okay we're gonna google it yeah it did happen oh my god it happened. I'm so sorry for doubting you, Clara. I'm so sorry. <laughs> for the first time in my life, some, I haven't dreamed something up. It's been real. Oh my God. Yeah, so that happened. Because I, I, I could picture like the the orange nail varnish in my head. I was never really into MAC because I was, you know, hashtag cruelty free. Um, yeah, that happened. That Yeah, I don't remember this <laughs> at all. Sounds like noise daydream. Oh, daydreaming was the eyeshadow. Yes. And then riot gear was the 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 nail varnish. The nail varnish. I actually kind of like the nail varnish. That's pretty cool. Um, not a fan of orange lipstick. To be like to be H. Don't know why I didn't finish the <laughs> to be H. Am I okay? I don't think so. Um. As well, I don't think they shipped to Ireland because I was telling I was saying to Courtney earlier like when I was younger I used to like Hayley Williams was heavily featured on this blog website called stealherstyle.com and when I was a teenager um I when I was 15 16 I was like a size 18 so it was hard for me to find the clothes that Hayley Williams would wear in my size like she'd normally wear just you know whatever obviously she had it in her size but I mean like the brand didn't expand up to my size so anytime I would find something the chances were high that I'd buy it and I remember spending like 80 quid on this t-shirt that like it was it was a bit shite but Hayley used to like cut her t-shirts at the neck and stuff like that and she'd, she'd like alter them herself now I am absolutely a disaster with the scissors so I spent 80 quid on this top and then I went ahead and cut the neck off it and it looked shocking <laughs> don't know what I could to look like Hayley Williams and didn't happen just, it was no. shocking and like I think the thing with Hayley is that there were no other emo girls no on stage Cassidy Pope kind of mm, kind like of she, but she didn't have a, she didn't have like a defined style yeah so it was like like when you talked about like that kind of scene you were talking about Paramore and she yeah. was the only girl on stage and she was kind of the only style icon we had. Yeah. And I think I was trying to find the article I read where she talked about her clothes, but she kind of said that, you know, she thrift shops and she likes going for all these brands. And like, I read an old live journal post where she was like, oh, like even Miley Cyrus's Walmart like line is really cool. Like she's got some really cool stuff and she just liked interesting things. Yeah. And part of that was because she was so small that she could kind of get away with Anything. wearing anything she wanted but she did kind of say later on that like part of it like her outfits were like a costume for her they were uniform they were things she wore on stage um and it makes her happy now to go around to like thrift shops and like pick up whatever and i yeah. think the thing about her is that because she's so focused on being herself and like being whatever she wanted to be that everything that she did ended up being iconic like we could talk about her hair for like yeah, forever. forever. I'm sure, I'm sure she's you. had so 
many different like it, like she, obviously she had red yellow orange they were her like main ones then yeah. she went blonde but then also she had like orange with yellow and yellow with red and like all these the orange combinations and pink, orange and pink oh my god orange and pink like are my t- like are two of my favorite colors because they just they're so different but they blend together so yeah. well and that hairstyle is just like incredible. that two-tone thing like anytime you see anybody with two-tone hair you're like hello yeah and like um like a girl I, I know like not very well but i follow her on instagram and she had like she two-tone her hair like going to I follow the same person do you yes okay. <laughs> she was like i know it looks like hi for listening <laughs> hello but like it, it looked like it looked awesome but it was yeah. so like you could see that that's where her inspiration was from and it's just so iconic that that's like what you think of yeah and even like when Hayley dyed her hair like white blonde it was still like anybody who dyed their hair white blonde after that you were like it's because Hayley Williams did it isn't it and it was it's just like it's wild that she literally did anything and oh, it yeah. was just you knew that's where that came from yeah um and even like the outfits that they wore in Ms. Biz, like the two-tone trousers and then like i mean like all of her outfits and all of her hair and everything that she has done has been iconic oh yeah and it's literally like she doesn't she's not trying it's not like lady gaga who tries very 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 hard to be eclectic yeah, yeah. whereas like she just seems to be like oh hey i like this and i like this i'm gonna mash them together and she'd written a whole post some night on live journal like in 2011 about how like she literally used to go to bed and then when she was like i have a whole day of interviews tomorrow i'm gonna think about what clothes i'm gonna wear and like she literally lie there and go hey, i want to do my makeup this morning i do my hair um and it's just it's it's cool because it yeah. was it was part of it's, it wasn't like a she thought she needed to look a certain way. It was like literally this is what made her calm and this is what made her feel good to like focus on this thing that was expressing herself in a certain yeah. way. Um, and that was kind of what we had to emulate. And like it should have been a case of like we could be anything. But it was more like I want to look exactly like her. <laughs> yeah, like I was obsessed. I still am. I think her style is incredible. Yeah. Like it's so quirky and cool and cute and it's just amazing. Like the like... Oh, I just wanted to dress like her so bad when I was younger, like block prints and block colours and but all those things were deemed unflattering for my body style. So I used to be so self-conscious about myself. Like even red trousers, as much as I loved wearing my wet my, my wet skinny jeans, my red skinny jeans, um, I was so conscious that red is a colour that makes you look bigger than you are and you know I was trying to fool everyone thinking that I was skinny and I was so afraid of wearing it but that's yeah that's pretty much all we had to emulate and then I started dressing trying to dress like Gabe from Cover Starship (laughs) but that was like it was such a harmless thing as well because you're like well I like this thing and I like wearing these clothes and I put like you think back on all the pictures and like all the the emo girls look the same and they'd all wear those like like you can still buy them you can still buy the hell bunny skirts that are like you know like maybe 10 inches long and you're like no there is nobody in this world who can wear that as a skirt yeah and they're like 50 quid and you're like why am i buying spending 50 quid on a belt like what what are you doing but that was how they all dressed and Hayley was like the only like person out there who was dressing in this kind of androgynous style where like she could wear dresses if she wanted to and she did in some videos and like on stage sometimes but for the most part she was into the skinny jeans and like the general emo uniform that everybody Mm -hmm. was wearing at that time um and like it was like an easy enough thing to copy like i couldn't wear red skinny jeans or i can wear whatever um but it was a case of just getting a hold of the stuff yeah and her like going back to her hair it was so like iconic like i remember during my emo phase i my hair was like cherry red like that kind of decode color i guess um and i remember then like 2011 maybe 12 
Rihanna dyed her hair red and everyone in Dublin had red hair and I was like I liked it before it was cool <laughs> you know in that typical angsty teenage yeah. fashion so I was just so cool as you can tell I was a really cool teenager <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, were, we were all that's why we're making a podcast about our childhood because there's no girl <laughs> and we're still cool like 10 years later exactly exactly so for me like the queuing up for gigs was like most of the fun like like you said in our first episode we met at a well we bumped into each other we'd known each other previously at the green day gig and we kind of hung out there and but there's so many gigs that i've been to where i've queued all day where i've met people and i've made friends like family force five cobra starship paramore made friends and i'm still to this day in contact with these people that i met in like 2010 and we've gone to gigs together we still go to gigs together and i think that's been such a an important thing as well not only to bond with my friends but to have made other friends especially when you're like of an age like like I said I was homeschooled when I was that age so the opportunity for me to make friends was second like you know it was it was very small so I had this chance to go to these gigs speak to new people with different perspectives on life and different perspectives on the world and I got to hang out with them and talk about our favorite bands well that's so nice and it's such a like it's such a wholesome thing to do it's so wholesome I remember actually the last time they played the O2 or the 3 Arena or whatever the heck it's called. Um, I had started, either I had moved from full-time to part-time in a job and I had to do training like and again, I think, for my job that I was doing mm. because I was switching to like a different area. But I had tickets to see Paramore. It must have been when I switched to part-time. Um, so that would have been 2013 then. So that was, the, that was the like the Monday after I'd met Paramore in the airport. So they must have come over two days earlier or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I literally was like, hi, can I leave like early to go to Paramore? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, it's fine. So I remember like getting changed in the bathroom and running over um, on like queuing for ages, even though there was no need to, but it was still like, that's, that's just what you did. Like, yeah. you know, you'd get in and you'd get as close to the stage as you could. Um, but I remember actually that show as well. It was like when more people had started going, but people were like literally standing in the crowd talking and they were talking over Hayley yeah and that like really really annoyed me and it was like well how did it go from like everybody's there to have a good time to you're an idiot with a beer drinking in the middle of the crowd like can you actually shut up yeah (laughs) just just like if you want to have a chat go outside I don't I didn't understand that but um that was yeah that was the O2 gig so you were did you go to the one where they played in the RDS I actually no I missed that one I didn't either I think I've been to every other gig that they've played in Ireland though I think I missed one in Belfast because I was like going on holidays the next day or something like that I couldn't go up um, but I've seen every other one and I'm so excited for them to come back they played in the UK at the start of last year and I regret regret not going over to see them really I do it would have been good and like the fact that we've been to the same shows is really funny yeah exactly but, like we didn't know each other which is we didn't really know. strange so uh, I was at like the first O2 gig and that was like the first time that I got to go to something that I was really excited about. Yeah. So it was like, it wasn't a pop artist. It was like somebody that I kind of like cultivated a love for by myself. Yeah. Um, And I just like, it was, I was only 15 as well. Like it was just, it was okay. magical. Um, and then the second show I met Alexi who wrote our theme tune. Theme tune. Our theme tune. <laughs> theme tune. Wow. 
um, who wrote our theme song, uh, or co-wrote our theme song, um, I just, like, talked to him in the crowd, and it was, like, some, he was somebody that I knew, kind of, like, to see, or, like, we were friends on Facebook or whatever, I'd see him around sometimes, but, like, it was actually his fault that I met my boyfriend, because he came over to say hi to me, um, at, like, a random show in the Twist of Pepper, which is not, or I peed Twist of Pepper as well, but, like, he came over to say hi, and he just happened to have Michael with him, so... Like, if I hadn't met him back then, it probably wouldn't have happened. Oh, that's so, so cute. Yeah, because Michael doesn't like leaving his house. Sorry for roasting you on that. <laughs> Michael is also our sound engineer. <laughs> so, uh, so we did meet people and, like, form great friendships. One person that I met was, her name is Megan. Hi, Megan. Um, she sent us in a story that I'm going to read out. Megan and I met in the queue for Paramore in 2010 um, because she had a magazine with Harry Styles in the front of it and she lent it to me to read and we started talking Aww. and we became friends um, so she was at Parahoy the second Parahoy and she sent us in this memory she says I was too broke for the first Parahoy and knew as soon as the second one was announced that I was going to make it happen despite the deadly fear of the ocean and I'm glad I did I am terrified of the ocean as well side note so I don't know if I've been up for a Parahoy um, the thought of being on a boat with the hardcore dedicated fans is honestly sickened to me these days but it really didn't feel like that everyone met the night before at the pre-cruise hard rock cafe party which we carried on into hooters and we had like a 15 song paramore jam even the bar manager gave us money for the jukebox because it was bringing customers in parahoy was so relaxed and so much better than any festival i've ever been to there's honestly nothing greater than sailing in the middle of the ocean disconnected from the world with a pina colada the size of your face <laughs> watching your favorite band perform dressed as baby spice Parahoy usually has different set lists from the tours and the second Parahoy, her first one, uh, felt more special because it was just after Jeremy had left and we were kind of expecting the low down on that but we just got pressure with no backflip and the first play of Oh Star in an Age, what a bop. And um, after the first set my friend and I were walking onto the elevator on our floor and we bumped into Taylor. He looked pretty scared that he had bumped into us but then when he realised we were chill he spoke with us for a couple, about the show for a couple of minutes and then got into the elevator with us. Woo. And then in brackets she has Cloda. When I tell you this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone uh, was so chill uh, that Taylor took photos of all of us. And this is like I said earlier, they had like set these boundaries for like, you know, don't freak out when you see us in the boat. Um, each day on the cruise is a different theme, uh, which kind of spices it up a little and makes it a bit different from normal cruises or festivals. One night was prom, one night was masquerade. And it gave everyone an excuse to doll up. When we were pina colada happy at 2am, we ran to the 24-hour buffet. She has that in caps. And bumped into Taylor York dressed in a sailor outfit, drunk enough again to agree to take pictures of us. So, uh, Parahoy 2 had a pre-sale perk of having a photo off with the band. This made it sell out before general sale. And Paramore really regretted it, but it was really nice to see them and get a quick hello. My friend hadn't met them before, so he was fussing over Haley with our roommates. But Taylor was always being my number one. So when I was chatting to him, we were told to get in line for a photo. And Haley said she loved my hair. And all the years of bleaching and crazy colours and idolising her hair flashed right before my eyes. Haley Williams loves my hair? <laughs> Um, every time I've met her she's complimented something about my style my outfit my hair my nails they're the sweetest band I've ever met and seem to genuinely care about their friends whether it's taking time to meet them bringing people on stage or interacting with them online between Parahoy 2 and Parahoy 3 I saw Paramore 9th 
times on two tours because I cannot get over them and they're the one band I can listen to without getting sick of. I think Hayley being so open about her mental health makes it really easy to relate to them and every album just seems to be exactly what I'm thinking or feeling at that period in my life. When After Laughter was released it was automatically one of those albums I needed to hear on a cruise and the same day they announced Parahoy 3. When we were aboard in the boat this time Paramore were welcome behind us but we didn't say hi to them because we didn't want to bother them um, but it still got us really buzzed for the cruise. The Parahoy 3 had such a different vibe to the first to the second one uh the last cruise everyone was super emo and all thought paramore were gonna split up because jeremy left but now that zach was back and they realized uh what i think is to be their best album it felt so summery and carefree after laughter it's definitely the kind of album to listen to en route to the bahamas with your best friends and unlimited alcohol which seems to be a theme in this message Megan. <laughs> um so yeah, she said she's seen Paramore 20 times now and even multiple times on the same tour. Every show is different. I will happily continue to spend my salary on cruises and tours for them. Aww. Which is very sweet. That is really sweet. And I feel like that's the overall feeling a lot of people yeah. kind of communicate when they talk about Paramore and they talk about their interactions with them. I remembered while you were talking that I've seen them as well at um, Leeds Festival. They've headlined like the second day. And I was really sick and it was really rainy, oh. but it was so nice because I'd never seen them. Well, no, I had seen them outdoors. That's a complete lie. With a green day. Yeah, so I, there was no point to that. It was just nice. I liked it. <laughs> it was good. Um, but yeah, they really like, I just, it's amazing how long they've lasted and how much they've changed and how dedicated their fan base is. And I feel like you could say that about a lot of emo bands. Yeah. There's just a particular... Um, like a sense about them I think it's their like the fan base is quite calm and you like you keep seeing people talk about their memories of them and it's real chill like that where they're like oh I just ran into whoever or like I met them at a airport or I met them at this like signing and it was really nice and they said nice things to me and they're just really freaking good yeah at making people feel comfortable and at like treating them like people and I think that's part of what makes them so special definitely I yeah I think that they're they're so readily to connect with their fans and that's what it is for me as well like they're so willing to host meet and greets and unlike other brands they don't charge for them I mean they did charge for their fan club which we spoke about in the last <laughs> we one we heard think. all about how angry Clota is about that $30 yeah I can't believe I spent 30, $30 a year and they're like ah we're gonna leave it free now like rude I want to meet you again um but I really hope that they again that they drop something soon and um, maybe another singles club type thing um but yeah i miss them me too and here's to more paramore memories here's to paramore paramore i like it yeah and in case you don't know already my friends i'll tell you we 